Hello, babes and trolls, kids and queers. Welcome to Millenniagram, the Enneagram podcast your pastor definitely won't be recommending. Together, we are here to learn a little self-deprecation, a little integration, and together, dig ourselves out of our goddamn ditches. Let's get into it. All right, babies, here is the mother frickin' tea. I am finally releasing the interview that I recorded with Mara Wilson almost a year ago. Um, She is a former child star who you may have seen in such little and um, unlife-changing flicks such as Matilda and Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, She is a current actress and voice star, a writer. Um, She is sort of the patron saint of bisexual librarians everywhere. And she is the self-proclaimed big sister to the world, which the vibes are strong in this interview. Let me tell you what the fuck. Um, I'm really excited to share this almost like um, memoir type interview, like the amount of insight and the just kind of snapshot into her life, into her ethos is really fucking fascinating. There are some incredible one-liners and just kind of a um, an homage to sixes everywhere. Mara identifies as a six-wing five, but as you will hear, the wings have kind of been fluid for her throughout her life. Um, I'm really excited to share this with you. If you want to find Mara, you will find hundreds of thousands of others following her on Twitter, at Mara Wilson. She doesn't have an Instagram presence that I have been able to decipher, but yeah, follow her, read her books, join the cult of bisexual librarians and let's get into this i'm mara wilson uh i am mara wilson uh she her i am a writer and a sort of former child actor (laughs) and a (laughs) and i'm also a voiceover actor as well oh cool okay so what is your experience with the Enneagram and how has it informed what you know about yourself well i first found a book on it when i was i think about 16 at my aunt's house and she was like oh yeah you can have that book if you want I think it was it was some kind of test and I I was very into personality tests and such at the time I'd taken Myers-Briggs a couple times and I'd never come up with the same result so uh, I was a bit disenchanted by that but I remember really liking it I I felt I, I felt like there was a connection there and I was I think between a couple different ones at the time but also I was a teenager so there was a lot about me that wasn't quite set in stone just yet. Uh, as I got older, I got more and more, and this is a word I'm going to be using a lot today, skeptical <laughs> of any kind of of any kind of you know personality tests. I I like vehemently did not believe in astrology. I did not believe in anything, any kind of pop psychology. But in recent years, I found myself drawn to the Enneagram again. Uh, one of my friends from A Camp, Al, uh, introduced us, and I started looking into it, and I was like, oh, this actually helps me a lot to think of myself as this kind of person because, yeah, this this is the way that I've lived my life, and I feel like it's been hard for me to explain to people before yeah, because they kind of they kind of just didn't get it. Or they didn't understand what it was that really motivated me. I also found it a, a really good tool for writing characters, and it was something that... And the thing was, unlike, say, astrology, which I know a lot of people believe in and, and is fun and helpful for a lot of people, I felt like... It didn't need to 
it wasn't based on necessarily a metaphysical thing. Like I know that there are a lot of a lot of uh, Christians and ex-evangelical people who who find a lot of spiritual resonance with it. But for me, it just felt kind of like like uh, oh this. This makes sense. Of course, you know, you you are not going to be trusting people. You are not going to be trusting your own mind if you have this kind of childhood, this kind of thing. It felt much more self-evident to me. It felt much more like patterns, which I think made it easier for me to to trust it. When there is an underlying metaphysical basis for something that I can't be sure of, I have trouble trusting it. So Because there's no real way to to prove its value or its yeah. The, the foundation. Exactly, exactly. I think I kind of look at things from a consequentialist perspective. Like, does it do good for people? Does it help people? And and this has definitely helped me and people I know. So that definitely got me much more interested into it and into it. Uh, I mean, I think that would probably have to be my mother's death. My mother was such a force in my life, and I believed that she was invincible. And uh, even when things... I, I always felt nervous and unsteady, and I think... I think part of me was just born that way. I was always very worried about things. I was very concerned about the state of the world. I I would cry at, at commercials I saw on TV. I, I would cry because I'd heard on the news that, you know, somebody had been hit by a car. I would I, I was I was very sensitive and very in tune with things and very, very worried a lot of the time. So some of that I think was just genetic. But I think that I believed very strongly in my mother. She was this very strong presence in my life. And, and you know, she could be intimidating to a lot of people. Like, like my mother was an eight. There's no way that she wasn't. No. <laughs> There's no way that she wasn't. And, and so I think that her illness and her death kind of rocked me to the core because seeing her seeing her sick and, and dying was, you know, it was, it was this thing she had this almost mythical presence in my life and in the life of so many people and seeing that gone i think was was incredibly hard for me and and it's still hard to think about and so i i think that that's definitely something and it's probably why you know i started having symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder when i was very young but when i was 8 and my mom got sick that's when they really started happening and i i i, I think it it probably isn't it's not too strange that I started obsessing about illness at that age. I started obsessing about germs, mm. even though my mom had cancer and it wasn't anything contagious. I started obsessing with cleanliness, obsessing about cleanliness and health. And yeah, I think I think that 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 is probably what it is. I I never felt like like I remember you saying that one thing that a lot of sixes think is they can't trust their own minds. And that was very much how I felt with OCD. I very much felt like I couldn't trust my own mind. I I was never sure what was magical thinking and what was real. Which is probably another reason why I'm not I'm not very into, you know, a, a astrology and, and psychic energy and things like that today because I I don't like the idea of <laughs> of having too much control I think uh, and so I I think that that was I think that I, I was always an anxious child but uh, I, I think that I think that after that it's it, I feel like I've been through enough big things in my life that. If an awful thing happens, I'm obviously incredibly horrified and traumatized and everything, but I never feel like I'm very surprised. <laughs> so I always feel like I, I know and I accept that that horrible and tragic things can happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's so just the way the world is. 
what's interesting to me about that is that that seems to be such a recurring theme when I speak to sixes. Yeah. Is that they have they have considered every possibility. Oh yeah. And so when something happens, it's kind of like, well, yes, I was anxious about that, and now you see why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I told you so. I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, that's that's very much. I, I try not to do that. I try not to say I told you so, but yeah, no, it's definitely it, it, it is definitely a big part of who I am. Yeah. Um, do you have... Uh, I, I know you shared at least one of them with me that I thought was poignant and funny. Um, do you have any classic six stories that you can share? Oh, man. I think there are so many in my book. There, I, I think I told you... Did I tell you about the time we dug a hole? Was it that story? I don't think so. Uh, no, my... the one you told me was about a trip, a spontaneous trip. A trick? I'm trying to remember. A trip to... Um, I, did you book a last minute flight? Oh right, yes. Well, I, I booked a last a last minute flight to uh, to to Iceland, and I was like, I was like, I'm going to go on a trip for the first time in my life. And what do I do? I pick. I mean, first of all, I pick the country that's you know one of the least expensive and most friendly places to go. Uh, and then when I got there, I think I had a I had a relapse of a UTI, and I was sitting there in my in the little hotel room sobbing hysterically because I was like, I can't even go to a country by myself. And what if I get a kidney infection? I have no idea what Iceland's healthcare system looks like. And fortunately, fortunately, my doctor was able to call it in, and the nice people at the, you know, what was the word, apothec in in Reykjavik, were able to refill it for me. And uh, I enjoyed my trip, and I had a great time. But that's very me. Yeah, that's very me. Uh, trying to be trying to be fun and spontaneous but uh not having the easiest go of it uh yeah when i was when i was a child uh there were a lot of times there were times when i would uh i remember i was digging a hole in in the playground yard with my friends and i wasn't even at school yet my my mom was at a pta meeting there and we dug a hole and I immediately started to cry because I thought, what if something happens and somebody doesn't see the hole and they trip and fall in it? <laughs> and it wasn't even a very big hole, but they would still probably, you know, they could still sprain their ankle. And they my could mom, fall and break their nose. Yeah, I mean. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> on, on a grass field, you know, on a grass field, but still. Of course. And my, my friend and her sister uh, tried to reassure me, and they even demonstrated, like, okay, probably the worst thing is they'd just be like, hum, 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 hum. whoa, oh, there's a hole. I tripped a little bit. And, you know, somebody <laughs> said, well, they'll probably see it. And I said, but what if they're blind? Oh. So I was considering every option. I was, I was worried about everything. Another story I have was on the set of Mrs. Doubtfire. I was holding, I think, a styrofoam cup. And I think I was probably picking at it a little bit because I've always kind of needed something to do with my hands. Like if I were an animal, I'd be a raccoon. Just always got to keep my hands busy. Uh, and Matt Lawrence, who played my brother and, you know, was smart for his age, came up to me and he's like, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's bad for the environment. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, there's these things in them called CFCs, and they're really bad for the ozone layer, and the ozone layer protects us. And, and I started sobbing hysterically because I didn't want to hurt the environment, and I was so worried about it. And my mama had to come. And you were single-handedly exactly. going to hurt the environment exactly. it, with your one cup. It was all my fault. Wow. I was, and I was terrified of styrofoam for years after that. So, uh, And I mean, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad Matt clued me in, and Matt cared enough to, to be able to explain those things to me. But I don't think he... I don't think 
think he knew <laughs> what he was going to unleash. Just how much that would affect yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was <laughs> that was very much the kind of child that I was. They my my brothers were always having to try to to calm me down and to tell me, "Well, you don't need to worry about that. It's not a scary thing that's happening right now. You're not under any, you know, there's no there's no threat to you." was basically what they needed to explain to me over and over again. But it always kind of felt like there could be some danger lurking. Yeah, it, it, it always felt like there was danger, which, I mean, I had a loving family. I, I always, you know, I always had a roof over my head. I, I had enough to eat. I I had these, these basics, but it just always kind of felt like, I mean, I, I was growing up on a fault line. In, in Southern California, and in some ways it feels like that metaphorically as well. Like I, or I, like I yeah. sense that, that I sense yeah. that at any point the, you know, the ground beneath my feet could, could go crazy. Uh, I was never afraid of earthquakes though. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, but that's, but that's another thing. I have a lot of weird counterphobic tendencies, which we'll get into later. Yeah, so I'd love to hear um, you identify that you were a six, but mm-hmm. then. Um, there's what I love about the Enneagram is that there are so many, um, there are so many different, uh, well, there's the phobic versus counterphobic for sixes. Right. And then there's the, um, the wings. What have you identified with yourself there? I'm, I'm definitely a counterphobic six. I mean, I think that I am my mother's child in many ways where I, I, uh, I, I take a defensive stance <laughs> against the world in, in many ways. I've, I've, uh, I can try to be assertive, you know, I can try to do these things, but I feel like when people call me out or say, hey, you're wrong or something, I always back down. And I, I say, huh, you know what, that's a good point. I, I'm going to stand back and think about this a little bit. So, like, I stand up for what I believe in, but if what I believe in is wrong or or ill informed, I will change it. Mm. I think so. You're you're will you're willing to be proven wrong. At yes, least. definitely, definitely, because nothing in this world is sure, <laughs> and so yeah. and and that's the thing. I feel like like nothing in this world is sure. Like I, I one reason that I hate sarcasm is people will say something sarcastic. I'll say. I'll say, like, I'll mention a movie, and somebody will say, oh, yeah, that was a great movie. And I'll say, really? I didn't think it was very good, and not a lot of people I know liked it. And they say, well, I was being sarcastic. And I say, oh, but but I don't know. We live in a world where it's possible that you could like that movie. Different people have different tastes. Different things affect people <laughs> differently. The, the, the world is an unusual place. You know, tastes are singular things. It, how, how am I supposed to know? How am I supposed to automatically know? You know, there, there's so right. much in this world. Is it my fault that, you know, you are so limited that you cannot conceive in a world in which other people might actually appreciate and understand this movie? So, yeah, that, that frustrates point. me. Yeah, exactly. So, and I'm, I've, I've always been a bad liar. I've always been very sort of compulsively honest, and I found it's easier often for me to be quiet than to, you know, tell a lie. Uh, and that's something that I'm I'm trying to learn to do because I definitely I definitely talk a lot, and I always have. But uh, I think I think that that uh, I do think that the wings things uh, the wings do seem kind of fluid because I remember when I took the test as a teenager, I got I got. Uh, uh, like a high rating in seven 
And I told my sister when I was like rediscovering it again, and she was like, isn't that the one that just likes to have fun all the time? That's not you. <laughs> and I was like, that is that is fair. Okay. And I, I definitely think that I have some seven tendencies. Like I think, and I do think that when I was a teenager, I, I really needed to distract myself from my anxiety very strongly. But I was, I was never a partier. I was never super into having fun. I've never been an especially optimistic person. But I do think there were times where I would just just be like, I've just got to distract myself from my anxiety. I'm just going to go, go, go. I'm just going to do all these things. And that I think was, was kind of who I was. But I think probably the person that I am every day is much more of a, of a six with a five wing. I, I think, and I've always been drawn to fives. I, I very much like, if you look at my, I like, I'm a skeptical person, like I've said. And if you look at my dating history, it's, it's all fives. <laughs> and a lot of them probably wouldn't like to be known. No, that's not true. There's, there were some nines and seven. It's all five sevens and nines pretty much. I think the thing that I like about fives is they, they are so passionate about what they think and they're so passionate about their ideas and they're also they also tend to be philosophical about things so uh, things like like rules and and arbitrary you know arbitrary societal culture customs and such don't really seem to apply to them or they don't really care about them very much so i found that they can be very open minded and i think that the thing that is interesting most to me is people who are people who are passionate and enthusiastic. I'm I'm very much attracted to that. Mm. Enthusiastic about about life, the universe, and everything. It just that kind of that kind of passion for the world. And they they don't take things for granted because there's so much to learn and there's so much about you know the natural world and literature and and knowledge and learning and all of these things that are so that that uh, is is impressive to them the, mm. and that i think is something that i really like i think they're also very soothing in a way because i will say i'm worried about this and they'll say well here's why you don't need to be as worried about that <laughs> here's some real solid information for you to rely on yeah exactly and that and that will help soothe me but the um the the attraction to passion and enthusiasm is probably where the the seven interest yeah. comes in. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely something that I've I found probably a, a lot of my close friends I would say are either fours or sevens. I I I've never dated a four I don't think, but uh, but a lot of my close friends you know are are very very much you know have strong feelings and feel kind of like outsiders and and. Uh, but a lot of my friends are, I would say, sevens with a strong six wing. Mm. Um, a lot of them are are just always, you know, they're they're, and a lot of them are sober. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of, but there's a lot of like, you know, on to the next adventure. And I love optimism. I think that's something that I really like in my life because I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic, but I do, I do worry a lot. And so I love that sort of optimistic energy of, of people. And I found that a lot of them either have, you know, they have a strong six wing, so they will understand my anxiety as well. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. the best of both worlds because it can, it can bring you out of your yeah. anxiety shell essentially <laughs> yeah then, or they have or they have uh, an eight wing which feels like you know I I do I do very much appreciate eights because you know I, I feel like my mom was one and I had a lot of them in my life so there was there was that uh, I I admire that kind of respect and I, I, I admire that kind of 
that steadiness, I think, that steadfastness and the ability to stand up for oneself, that assertiveness that they have. So, so I think that, although I do think that that's, that can be a problem in my life because sometimes I, I feel like I'm attracted to that in friends that, you know, that the, the steadiness, the assertiveness, and then it turns out that these people weren't actually AIDS or, or just weren't actually healthy and were just kind of mean. And just because somebody's, they, they weren't, they weren't truthful or, or speaking truth to power. They were, they were mean <laughs> and that's yeah. different. I think that there's, there's something about that. That's, that's very different. And, and so sometimes I've had to say, I've had to realize like, just because somebody is, is, uh, you know, upfront with you and, and straight with you doesn't mean that they are doing what's right. And doesn't mean that they are telling the truth or seeing themselves in an accurate exactly. Light. Yeah, exactly. So that's something that's, and that's something that I think has, has helped me with the Enneagram. I think that's something that's helped me a lot too. It's re- I've realized, Oh, you know, this is sometimes this is, really who they are and it's them functioning at their best and sometimes it's really not so right uh, and nines nines I love I would say that like romantically I'm attracted to upbeat laid-back people (laughs) so that's yeah that's a lot of and and I've had trouble I think with with fives before because I also am all about communication and sometimes fives just don't want to do that they want to you know they want to be themselves and and uh, indulge in their own things and not you know and I've I've always been very extroverted so that's something that I think they can struggle with a bit as well. There's some but, emotional withdrawal there. Yeah, and I and I can't deal with that. And that's another. Uh, at, but at nines, I feel like I've I also probably the person that I'm closest with in the world right now is a nine, and uh, and it's it's very much. It's it's five sevens and nines. I would say, yeah, overwhelmingly the type of people that I'm interested in. Uh, they're the people that I feel the most, uh, the feel that I feel the most comfortable with, and that I think bring out the best in me in in one on one relationships. Well, and I think um, what's interesting about that is that sixes um, at at integration move towards nine. So yeah, in in positions of of safety and security they move towards nine so it would make a lot of sense that that nines would be attracted to you because as a as a healthy person that's kind of usually the direction that you're moving yeah I felt like for a long time I felt like I wasn't sure how integration worked and I wasn't sure if I was if I was really because I felt like I feel like when I'm doing well in some ways I tend to be more like a three like I, I get very on I'm, I'm very on I'm very charming I'm I'm I get more ambitious I get you know much more you know I'm, I'm good at putting on a performance but I do think that but the way that I've been looking at it now is usually when I'm at my best it's I, I do become more nurturing um, my sister says I'm like a big sister to the world I yeah, I definitely love to give advice. I love to help people. I I'm always, you know, I always have like a couple months ago, my sister and I rescued a kitten and took him home and I wasn't I wasn't feeling very well at the time. I have some problems with chronic illness and uh and she was going through a really rough time. She was really stressed out and but the two of us, the two of us were just working and it was just like everything else felt fell away. 
while I was nurturing, while I was nurturing this kitten, even when I had to give him a flea bath and it was awful. And even when I had to, you know, give him medicine that he didn't like. And even when I had to do these things and check up on him every couple hours while he was sleeping and, and do all these things, it was just like everything else fell away because I was like, nope, I'm in, I am in nurturer mode now. And this is me at my best. So yeah, so I think that there is, I think that that's definitely something that, that I've realized like, oh, I, I can be that, that peacemaker person when I'm doing well. I can be a nurturing person. That is, that is something that I fall into pretty well. Although I think a lot of sixes, like a lot of sixes I know work in like really high stress jobs where they have to take care of people, uh, you know, where they'll, nurses. where they will. Yeah. A lot of six nurses. Nurses, paramedics, things like that. Yeah. Where, where EMTs, where they'll just be like, they, they, and they'll be great at it. They will be so good in an emergency. It's interesting because I almost wonder if, because there, there's, when, you know, in periods of like downtime or just everyday life, it's really easy to um, overthink. It's really easy to just, you know, hypothesize and, and kind of get in your head about things. But I wonder if that kind of high stress environment, because I've noticed a lot of sixes being really calm in crisis situations oh, yeah. when I'm, you know, I'm afraid that they're going to freak out because I know, yeah. you know, how anxious they can be. But but I wonder if that sort of brings them into their body a little bit and just intuitively moving yeah. through a crisis. I found it's very much like, okay, this is what I was preparing for. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, yeah. this is, this is the, you know, it's the day of the recital. It, it feels very much <laughs> like, and that's, that's one thing that I've noticed. I, I, that's something that, I mean, my whole family, we, we aren't all sixes. In fact, most of us aren't, but I think that that's something that we all share where if somebody needs us, if we're needed in an emergency, we will be right there for you. So I think that that's something that that I've I've sort of learned from them, and and I do feel good. I feel like my favorite thing in the world is being useful. I can't stand I can't stand when I'm not doing anything that is is good for me or the world or other people or or you know like if I'm not if I'm not doing anything that is is useful and positive and contributing something to my own life or somebody else's life or the state of the world I I'm really frustrated like I I need to be doing things and I need to be doing things that that matter I feel like and that doesn't mean that I need validation but I do feel like it need it means that that I like being productive and I feel like when I'm not productive I get anxious I do feel that while I like attention, it's not it's not my main goal. And I also feel like when I do get too much attention, it's a bit overwhelming. I can't quite process it. I think that happened to me as a child star. And I think I know now that I don't need to see my name in lights, but uh, seeing my name in credits is nice. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think like if I never have a bigger following than the one I have now, that's totally fine by me. I I am perfectly fine. I don't need to be super famous. I don't need to be somebody who anybody knows. It would make me I don't need to be somebody who everybody knows. It would make me extremely uncomfortable to be the kind of person who says, "Don't you know who I am?" Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm perfectly happy. I'm perfectly happy with my my cult following of bisexual librarians. You know, I love them. They love me. It's you really great. do. You really. Yeah. You've, you've found all of us. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. we all found They're, you somehow. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. They're definitely my they're definitely my people. And so so I, I love that. I, I love looking out on the audiences and seeing all the children's book tattoos and different colored hair. You know, I, I love that. I really do. So that's that's something that makes me happy. I don't need to be everything to everybody. I, I just want to make more work. I do think that I'm a little bit more behind the scenes than than I need to be or or, or that I used to be. Uh, I do think that I'm definitely much more behind the scenes. I remember talking to my dad once about how a lot of people, you know, they want to be the lead singer in a band. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'd probably be happy being the bassist. <laughs> like, like <laughs> and, I'll be on you know. stage, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because in some ways, I mean, I feel like, and I've had people say to me like, oh, you know, you, you do have that lead singer energy. You could probably do that. And I'm like, yeah, but... But it just feels like too much risk and and too much. It, it's not. I don't think that it's good for people necessarily. So that's something that I'm I'm getting more interested in, and I'm kind of trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out, you know, where that fits in my life because I do like recognition. I think, and I do like being able to make money off artistic work. But I feel like what I would most like is to be remembered for being generous, and not like. Not like, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm probably never going to be, I mean, I don't think people should be billionaires, but I'm probably not going to be like a big philanthropist with my name on places because that's just not, I don't know, that, that's, that, doesn't, that doesn't appeal to me and that's never going to happen for, to me anyway. But I do think I want to be remembered as somebody who was there to help people and to reach out to people and help connect people. And I think that that's something that I definitely have. I, I have wondered if I'm if I am like a loyal person, I do think that I am. Uh, I mean, my, my therapist pointed out to me, she's like, you're still friends with your preschool boyfriend, you know, (laughs) you're still, you're still, yeah. Who, who was totally gay, by the way, we had the, uh, we had the lavender marriage of, uh, Burbank Temple Emmanuel, uh, preschool, (laughs) but it, it's like, I, I do think that I am. And I do think that I fight very strongly for my friends. And uh, there's a, uh, you know, I grew up Jewish and somebody told me when I was young that I had very, I, I had very orthodox uh, cousins and there was a big community there that we were a part of. So I did grow up religious as a child. Uh, we weren't orthodox, but we were conservative. And I remember hearing if you give somebody credit for something, it hastens the Messiah's arrival. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I don't know if that was just somebody talking out of their ass or somebody trying to guilt us or what, but <laughs> but I took that to heart. And I think that's why now it, it really, I can't stand it when people don't get credit for the things that they do. And my biggest nightmare is like accidentally plagiarizing somebody or or taking somebody else's idea because I think that that's just something that's that's so important to me is giving credit where it's due. And I feel like I have this platform that a lot of times I feel kind of bewildered by and don't really feel like I deserve. And because of that, I, I feel like I want to amplify other people's voices and I want to amplify, you know, uh, the POC and and other women and, you know, lower income people, you know, as well as just friends that I feel are are talented and should be more successful. Mm. And so that that I feel like is is kind of my mission. I, I feel like I, I'm this sort of job yenta and friend yenta. I'll be like, you guys would be good together. You guys should, you guys should do that. Like that's, that's like what I'm, what I must have been in a past life. Uh, I must have been something. And 
And I also think that, and I, I don't know if that's like a six quality, but I do know that I, I can be meddlesome. And that's been <laughs> annoying to a lot of, because, because I assume I know what's right and I assume I know what's going to happen. And I get really, really anxious. This is something that my sister has told me a lot. She goes, you know, you get really anxious when you're not in control. So you end up being bossy. Oh, Yeah. And that is very true. Like I, I, I jump straight from people will tell me that something is wrong and it makes me so uncomfortable sometimes that I jump right into, well, you should do this. You should do that. And I, I've had to learn to listen and just say that sucks. I'm sorry. And not immediately take on all their pain myself and, you know, immediately go to that fixing place. Yeah, that's definitely something. And I think, because I think that's just where my mind goes. My mind is, is like worst case scenario. How do I fix it? Worst case scenario. How do I fix it? Worst case mm. scenario. How do I fix it? Somebody comes in my life and says, Hey, here's a bad scenario. And I automatically go, here's how to fix it. And that's not necessarily <laughs> what they want. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I think, I think it's almost, it seems like it's almost always well-intentioned, the meddling mm-hmm. of sixes. Uh, they, yes. you know, they're, they're trying to be helpful and then, but then, you know, end up having to kind of orchestrate more of it and get into people's lives a little bit more than, than maybe is necessary. Yeah, I, I definitely do that. I remember my friend and I were, my, my roommate, who's, who was like a sister to me, we were watching, she was watching Scrubs, I think, and I was like, I was like, oh, maybe I'm like JD. I do get off in my fantasies a lot. And she goes, no, he's very laid back. You're, you're more like Carla, the nurse. And in that very episode, <laughs> and in that very episode, Carla was called know-it-all busybody. <laughs> and I was just like, ooh, yeah, I guess so. And when I told my family about it, they all laughed because they were like, yeah, that's you. <laughs> Are you a fan of nudes? Yes, this is a trick question. Um, I never thought that I would be saying this, but queer Twitter is literally the only place to be. Like, if you're not there, like, what are you doing? Um, And when I was fundraising to try and keep this podcast alive, um, everybody contributed their nudes and what we call lewds and hofos um, to get this show back on the motherfucking road, you feel? So, um... If you would like to get in on the fun, um, I'm kind of changing up what the Patreon looks like, but um, I definitely know that you're going to have access to content before everyone else. And number two, um, lots of sexy pictures. They're not up there yet, but we're going to be working on that in the months to come because I couldn't just do that shit the one time. Um, And then... Honestly, you're going to have, like, unedited interviews, so you're going to hear the shit that we had to cut um, because it was maybe fascinating and fucking classic and brilliant, but, um, you know, people have short attention spans, except for you, because you um, have a bigger brain. That's not science. Um, But please, join us on Patreon. Um, If you just search patreon.com slash millenniagram, um, join our posse, $1, $5, like whatever you can do. um, It really keeps our show on the road. The majority of our patrons are $1 and $5 donors, and I fucking love that shit because it means that um, capitalism is sucking us all dry, and yet we are doing you know, giving our widow's fucking might to keep alive the things that we love. 
And I'm grateful to contribute to one of the things that you love. Let's continue writing this story together. Patreon.com slash Milleniagram. Go find it, hun. I also think it's, it's you know, and, and the thing is, like, I, I talked to somebody recently that I'm close with who I've always had a really deep understanding with and was saying to them, basically that I feel like like they are six two, And I wasn't sure how they would respond to it, so I didn't necessarily use the terminology, but I, I explained the concept to them. And they were like, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is, this is what motivates me, and this is what motivates you. And this is, I think, why we understand each other. Mm. Because we're very much, we, we, are, we, we grew up always in that anxious place, always in that unsure place, and, and we need security. And this is why we are grid in crisis, and this is why we are so loyal, and this is why we don't trust very easily and this is and so that's something I think that that you know I I really like about the Enneagram there's a lot of it uh, sometimes you know because I didn't grow up Christian every now and then I'll be surprised by the amount of like Christian spirituality in it but again I feel like that's something that that helps people I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's something, but it's also, it's also, I mean, when I was, when I was in college, I was an, I was an asshole atheist. I was like, I don't want anything to do with religion. I'd also had negative experiences with very religious people, you know, both, both Jewish and Christian and, uh, and, you know, in, in my life, I mean, I had positive experiences with religion too, but I, I think because of that, it made me much more skeptical, and I didn't want anything to do with anything that even could, could be even be remotely considered woo-woo or or <laughs> new age or religious. So I think that I kind of fell away from that for a while. Now I'm I'm in a place where I'm much more agnostic and open to it. I don't actively believe in these things, but I also, like I said, I have a consequentialist view of it. Like, oh, this is, you know what, this is helping people, so this is good. Mm. So I'm interested, you, you mentioned this a little bit earlier um, about navigating um, OCD and OCD diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners relate to some level of um, difficulty with mental health. I'd, I'd right. love to know um, how you've learned to navigate that as a six and um, what kind of eases your eases your crises there and um what doesn't i think what's most important for me is realizing what is and isn't happening (laughs) i think that you know grounding yourself is is very much a good thing i I, finding where you are and taking stock of where you are right now that is something that is very helpful I, I think that that's something that has definitely helped me a lot because I, I do tend to get kind of caught up in these fantasies of anxiety and to to a like really absurd degree sometimes where I will get really worried about things. Uh, I I think that my my therapist always says, you know, can we reality check that, Mara? And <laughs> that uh, she's very nineties nineties. It's very great. Uh, and so she, you know, that that I think is good. I remember when I was in college, uh, I used to, I went through this state, bef- like when I was first coming to college, where I would kind of dissociate whenever I had an anxiety attack. Mm. But then when I was in college, I kind of, it was like I grew out of that. And I think that might have been because I was opening myself up very creatively in a way, and I was having my first serious relationship, um, and I was, I was, all of these things were kind of new and opening myself. So I started having like these like really bad like existential anxiety attacks and I would call the NYU hotline late at night crying telling them that I was afraid of death and 
that's not usually what they people call them for. Usually people call them because like the condom broke or something. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, but I would call them and they would say things like, look, you know, we, we know you're studying philosophy and all these things. And that wasn't even my major. I'd just be in classes or something. But they would say, you can't let that affect your everyday life. And I found on iTunes this this breathing exercise this uh, that was from I like a, like an iTunes U kind of thing mm. and it was from Duke University and it was this man who had this very very like wonderful gentle North Carolina accent <laughs> and he he sounded he sounded older and he would say like this anxiety exercise is very good for people who are dealing with anxiety and stress in their lives now i want you to take stock of what is around you the external stimuli i also want you to draw attention to the internal stimuli and now i want you to direct your attention to thoughts and feelings. These are neither internal nor external stimuli. <laughs> and he had this great gravelly voice. I wish I could find it because the thing that he said in there that really stuck with me was your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, they aren't they aren't they aren't what you are and they aren't what is happening around you. They aren't the internal stimuli or the external stimuli. They aren't you feeling your feet on the ground and they aren't you hearing a noise from next door. It's, it's that is, and that was something I think that, that really stuck with me is this idea of, of, uh, you know, sort of a, oh, okay. The feelings aren't, aren't, you know, feelings are, are a part of you, but they're not, they aren't you. You know, like yeah, uh, I, I yeah. know a lot of my friends. I, I know a lot of my friends who've done DBT will say it's sort of like, like uh, you know, a flower that falls on the river isn't part of the river forever, or something hmm. like that. Yeah, and so that has been that has been very helpful for me. I think it's interesting to me because I feel like a lot of people associate OCD with with ones uh, because the <laughs> right. the. They they do have that you know they do have that energy and they do have that that sort of uh, you know I think perhaps compulsiveness can seem much more like a one thing but for me I, I was always more obsessive anyway I think that that OCD can be a very sick thing because OCD is actually called the doubting disease mm, right and so and and I had I had a my first therapist that I ever saw she said to me you know people used to say I think therefore I am Descartes and everybody. The people really love that saying, but I always think it's "I doubt, therefore I am." Oh, interesting. which I think is good because a, a thought is is just perception. Doubt is what we do. <laughs> doubt <laughs> is is you know an action. It's questioning that perception. It's not just saying. It's not just you know observing something. I think a lot of you know. I think there are probably a lot of creatures that can think, but to doubt and to question that I think is is a very human impulse. And so, and that I I, I like that. I doubt, therefore I am. That, I like and, that. Yeah, and it, it reminds me that this is, I, I do think, people think that doubt is a bad thing. There's even that Dorothy Parker uh, quote, there's even that Dorothy Parker poem that I love where she says that love, curiosity, freckles, and doubt uh, are things that she could have done without. And but <laughs> I, But I think doubt is a good thing. I think that doubt, I think in some ways doubt has kept me safe. You know, it's, it's that kind of the gift of fear kind of thing in some ways. It's the, it, it, it has, I, I appreciate my doubt. It's not something, it's, it's not something that's great all the time in giant doses. It's like salt, you know, you need a little bit of salt to balance things out. Actually, I have a, I have a blood pressure condition, so I need a lot of salt, but, uh, 
but that's that's a separate issue uh i don't know maybe i need a lot of doubt too uh, <laughs> oh uh, that's funny it's like salt yeah. I, I think that's a great way to put it um yeah because i think i think a lot of us a lot of us can benefit i i i truly believe that that each of the base Enneagram types kind of describes um, a facet of the human condition and, and we all have something that we can learn from the other numbers. And I wonder yeah, if, definitely. I wonder if healthy doubt is one of those things that sixes can teach the rest of us. Yeah, I think that I think that it probably is. I think that that's something that that is good. Like I said, the the person I probably am closest to and spend the most time with, you know, uh, is a nine, and. It's really nice because I see I see the peacefulness and the forgiveness the the forgiveness you know from her in a really beautiful way. I see a lot of a lot of the this openness and understanding and and she can just talk to anybody and get their and get their life story and just be completely open to it mm. and completely helpful and and want to listen and want to nurture and and want to to do these things. But also uh, she doesn't like taking risks as much as I do. And, and, but a lot of times when I do risks, it's very counterphobic. It's out of a very defensive, like, okay, well, I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to do this. It's, it's, uh, and, and that is something that I do a lot. And so she, I think, finds that. I really do feel like there needs to be more counterphobic, uh, representation because I feel like, seriously, yeah, I, there I feel there. like there's a lot of y'all are there. Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of a lot of people who will be like, oh, well, they're just, you know, they're just afraid, they're just anxious, and it's like, okay, look, yes, it's true that I am afraid of cars and I'm afraid of skateboarders and I don't do roller coasters and I don't do this <laughs> and I don't do that and I would never travel to a country, you know, where I didn't know people and I would never. Well, that's not true. I did, I did that in Iceland, but it's also Iceland. It's in, and it's incredibly safe, you know. But but you know, and I'm terrified of germs. It's true of, about all of these things, but also. So, you know, I am like I am very good at confronting men who are being obnoxious and putting them in their place. And and yeah, and I'm I'm not afraid of them. And they they will become afraid of me, even though I'm five feet tall. Uh, I'm very like Anna. We, there was a guy who was being really rude and awful to to the flight attendant to his girlfriend on a plane. And I was I was there with my sister and we he was just being incredibly awful and obnoxious and uh and i i i like looked right at him and called him out and told him he was being an asshole and i know it sounds like one of those and then everybody stood up and clapped stories but <laughs> but it really was and i i called him out and i told him that he was behaving terribly and that his girlfriend could do a lot better than he than him oh damn <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I said that. I said, yeah, I said that. And then, and he got, and he was like really embarrassed and got off the plane. And I turned around and I apologized to the people behind me and the flight attendants. And they all had these huge smiles on their faces. Like they thought it was hilarious. And somebody said, uh, somebody said, and I loved your book, by the way. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can't stand that kind of entitlement, I think. And that, and that was something that, that I, I felt like, I, I needed to stand up for people. I needed to do to do that, and so I definitely have, I definitely have that. And I do think that some people, like all through high school, people would say, "Oh my God, I thought you were such a bitch until I got to know you," because I had this very defensive stance. And then I remember I I made a friend in college, and I said, "Did you think I was a bitch?" And he said, "No, I thought you were an anxious girl pretending to be a bitch." Oh, there and I it was is. like. Oh damn! And I, I felt very vulnerable when he said that. But I mean that—that that is kind of what it is. I, I do have, 
I do have, but you know, sometimes, sometimes you, you need that. You need that defensiveness. You need, you know, you can also use your bitch as a weapon I've learned. So, (laughs) so, you know, it's, it's the sword in the back of the dress, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's, it's something that, that I think, but I do think that I need to, I've, I've had to learn how to be more peaceful and how to reconcile it and how to not use my fear because I do think that my fear can sometimes fuel anger. And I think that I need to let my, my fear, fuel power but only power and justice but in a righteous way Mm. and not just and not just misplaced anger that you know I'm anxious about something and I'm and I'm going to be angry about it I think that it's definitely that's that's something that I I struggle with sometimes as a counterphobic sex and I I kind of feel like I do feel like fear is the basis of a lot of anger for a lot of people even people who are not sexes and I do think that that's something that uh I wish we could talk about a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, that's, so that's definitely, that's definitely something there. And I, I do think that I lean more into my five wing these days because I do think that, I, I do think that it's a mutable thing. And, Absolutely. uh, one of my friends said once, Mara, you're the only person I know who could walk into the room excitedly and say, what were you guys saying about Neanderthals? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely very nerdy in that way, and you know always always want to learn and love love learning. I I love learning so much. That's it's my favorite thing. So uh, learning and learning and being with friends that I really love and care about those are those are my favorite things. So and that that does sound like a very six with a five wing thing to say, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. In all my childhood photos, I'm either smiling with friends and family or <laughs> Just staring off and into like the totally showboating for the camera, or <laughs> I am staring off into the distance looking contemplative. Uh, staring off into the distance looking contemplative. I think that there's, that's, you know, that, that is kind of the, the dual sides of, of who I am. Um, and, and I do think that, I think that I probably had I would say like my parents were probably an eight and a nine so you know that that might uh also explain some of the dreaminess and such um yeah and and but yeah I think that that's that's kind of who I am and I do think that dual nature of the counterphobic the that's something that needs to be explored more and talked about more because we're not all just anxious people all the time I've done I've done things where I looked back and I was just like I don't know how I did that I was I but I just did. I did it because it was necessary. It had to be done. It was supposed to be done. So I just did it. And it's, it's very much like the, there's the old musical song, anyone can whistle where sometimes things that are easy for a lot of other people are very scary to me, you know? And I also think that's probably a product of, of my childhood where I was singing at the white house and I met the queen Mm. of England and I, you know, was on stage at radio city music hall and I went to the Oscars and I did all these things and I, I did all these things. And yet I was terrified to ride a bike, you know, that's, that I think is very much, you know, that probably also did it. I remember having a long talk with my dad about, about dating and how it was hard for me to trust people. And he said, you know, it, it could be because you were a child actor, because you felt a lot of the time that people wanted something from you. Totally. At a very young age, too. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't think it was a traumatic experience for me, necessarily. I, I, I think that there were good things about it and bad things about it. But I, I think, and I do think that I was kind of embittered for a long time, but I've come, to, I've made peace with it. And mm-hmm. it, it is cool when people mention that a movie you were in, you know, what, 23 years ago changed their lives and is still changing <laughs> lives today. Like, holy shit, that's, that's, you know, that is a blessing right there. So yeah. I, I do feel lucky. I do feel fortunate. But I, I do think that there were a lot of times 
sometimes people wanted something from me and I sensed that yeah. or I felt obligated to do things for people and when I didn't actually want to do them and and that was very hard for me. So my dad said, yeah, of course that would affect your your issues with trusting people because you feel like somebody wants something in return or they want something that you're There's not able to give. There's always going to be an ulterior motive of some kind. Exactly. So that made me less trusting as well, I would say. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I'd love I'd love to hear about, um, I just have a couple more questions mm-hmm. for you, but I'd love to hear about, um, you know, coming from that background and then pivoting to uh, writing as an adult and also um, being a person on the internet, mm-hmm. capital, trademark, <laughs> um, you have you do have this platform where people listen to the things that you have to say and um that's got to be it's got to be powerful but also maybe a little taxing at times oh yeah definitely like lately I've been trying to use Twitter less just because I feel like I don't think anybody thinks that Twitter is really a positive environment there's a lot of good that comes out of it but the way that it's run and you know if there were like Facebook and Twitter, they're just they're just a means to an end. Sure, right. You know, it's it's they nobody actually likes Facebook or Twitter. They're like the freeway or the subway. <laughs> they get you. We have to use them. Yeah, yes. you have to use them to get you where you want to go. They connect you with people. They connect you with places. They connect you with things. But you don't love them. Maybe some people admire them, but I mean, it's just like it, it's a bus. It's a it's a means of transportation. It's a means of communication. It's not anything in and of itself. So, I I think that. I've been trying to like pivot more to writing more on my Substack and trying to write more for magazines and things like that because I feel I feel like Twitter can be very taxing. I do think that I found a good community on there. I found a lot of great friends and that has been very helpful to me. I've also backed off a little bit on saying things that, you know, could be more controversial, but also I feel mm-hmm. like what I'm trying to do now is also amplify other voices because sometimes I can just be quiet and it's really about okay, who's not being heard here? who isn't being, especially if you're, you know, if you are a white person with privilege, like as I am, I I think that it's important for me to, my friend Jenny Jaffe explains it as being the intern. Hmm. Right. Uh, when you are in a space like that, you are the intern. You know, when you are in a space with with people who have less privilege than you, uh, with people of color, with women, with you know people with disabilities, all kinds of these people, and you are you do have privilege. You are the intern. You are sitting back and taking notes and listening. You are there. You are there for what they need. But you are not dominating the conversation all the time. You are not bossing people around. You are there to listen and to learn. Yeah. So that's something that I'm trying to do more of these days. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying not to act rashly mm. because yeah. when I do act rashly, I I get very anxious about it afterwards. Typical, you know, very very sick thing to do. I'm going to act impulsively and then be like, oh no, uh, that that uh, I think <laughs> is something that is is you know, it's good for me to sort of pay attention to. I also think that I have people close to me that work with me that I really trust. Like my publicist is a friend as well as my publicist. We we went to a concert together when we were in London. We, uh, you know, we went, we go out for tea mm. all the time. We talk about dogs. We share pictures of our cats. <laughs> uh, it's it's very much these are the kinds of people and like my my agent is uh, is my friend from college's brother and my my 
manager, when I first met him, one of the first things I said was, I feel like I trust you and you have very kind eyes. And, and he was like, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, and he was very glad to hear that. And he asked me, he asked me a lot of questions about myself that made me feel very interested and felt like he actually really listened and understood. And uh, so I, I do think that I, I have that sort of circle around me that protects me and, and helps me and that I feel very loyal to. That definitely helps, uh, I think. Who are invested in you as a person outside of? Yeah, your work. exactly. And I think that I think that I'm also I'm very close with my brothers and sister. Uh, we're we're very very close, and I have had a lot of friends. Like uh, I just did my friend Ariana Lenarski's podcast, and Ariana is the brother of uh, <laughs> of my preschool boyfriend, <laughs> <laughs> um, who's currently in France and who I might be traveling to see at some point soon. Uh, but but yeah, they I, I've known her forever, uh, and that, that I think is very funny. That our lives keep interacting in this way and and it's it's something I think that that is is something that is very good and even when I don't necessarily feel like I have uh, I've never felt very at home in like a click for very long I feel like I've kind of floated from click to click Mm. and I don't know I'm not sure if that's just because I've I've had so much like upheaval and such in my life that I sometimes wasn't able to because that's the thing. I feel like I am a very loyal person, but I do think that I, uh, there was so much in my life that kind of kept me from being that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, but, but I do think now that I have that ability to do that, I feel like I, I, I am, and I'm trying to pay it forward in a way. Uh, like I had a teacher in middle school who told me, you are a wonderful writer. Please keep writing. You, I, I really, I, I love your stories. I love the way that you write. You need to be in honors English classes in high school. Please, you know, please, please keep doing this. She was so encouraging, so helpful you know, read my essay on the giver out loud to the class uh, because, you know, I'd gotten a perfect five on it. And she was so encouraging and kind and I loved her so much. And she taught me how to write the the standard five paragraph essay and told me how to make a persuasive argument and all of these things. And a couple months ago, uh, last year, I met her daughter and her daughter was so much like me at that age, except I think like smarter and more together than I was. <laughs> but but also like she was a total theater kid and she was so smart and so funny and and you know, and we, we knew all the same John Mulaney jokes and all of these things, and it was very much just like Oh, and I immediately knew, like, I want to be a mentor to her. I want to help her. I want to be somebody that she can have fun with and reach out to. Mm. And I, I want to be that. And 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 she felt the same way. And it's it's kind of funny to me that now that I'm I'm uh, and she's living out in LA now, and I'm I'm like meeting up with her and and having a good time with her. And I feel like I'm in this place where I'm I am able to take on that mentoring role and I am able to help her and to, you know, help introduce her to people and help her and be encouraging. And, and it it does feel like that big sister to the world kind of thing that my sister talks about. And I, I feel like, I feel like I'm finally getting into the place and maybe that is, you know, nine integration where I'm able to play that role. Cause I think for a long time I would be too scared. I would be like, there's too much pressure, (laughs) but now I think I'm finally able to do that. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I love that that your your passion for writing is also fueling your mentorship of of younger people in your shoes. Oh yeah. I, I also think that I think that I think that a lot of writers are sixes. I also think a lot of comedians are sixes. 
<laughs> so many comedians. I had a friend, I think it was Griffin Newman, uh, once did his stand-up and he said, I'm afraid all the time. I'm always afraid people will laugh at me. So it's good to be able to get on stage where and I know people will laugh, laugh at, at me. me. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. Very he, counterphobic six move then. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So many comedians are. Uh, I've known a lot of four of I've known a lot of four comedians too, but uh, but I think the the worst case scenario imagining makes for really it good does. comedy. It absolutely does. Yeah, it it absolutely does. I used to have a story where I would talk about how I found this guy on a dating site who was like exactly my type. He was a scientist. He was so cute and funny, and I sent him a message, and then I saw that he hadn't logged in in over a year, and in my I somehow got it into my mind that he had died. <laughs> That he had died and his dating profile was still up. And, and I, 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 ha- I like went through a mourning period for this guy and what could have happened to him because he didn't delete his account. So yeah, and I, I, later on I was just like, what, what was I even thinking? But that's, that's very much, you know, that's very much where, where my mind goes. It goes to that worst case scenario. And I think that that's something that helps a lot in writing because, and, because you, you think of the worst possible thing, but the worst possible thing can, can heighten tension. It can heighten plot or it can be really, really funny. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of the times it is really funny. That's one thing I say when I'm talking to young writers. I say, you know that horrible thing that you did that you're so embarrassed about that it's just the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? It's funny. <laughs> it's really funny. It's so true. So People, people yeah, love so, to laugh at, at, our, at our mistakes. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah, the stories that I thought were too embarrassing for me to ever tell are now some of my biggest hits when I'm performing, when I'm working as a storyteller or I'm working as a writer. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah. Well, Mark. And I think that's something sixes should keep in they mind. They, they can channel that. Yeah. Have you ever run into, and I'm sorry, y'all, I, I know our time is, is up, but um, have you ever run into, it seems like, um, did you, do you ever have anxiety about people seeing your finished work, your finished creative work? Is there, is yeah. there um, difficulty around that for you? Yeah, all the time. I remember I was on, I, I think I was on, I was on a morning show. Was it the Today Show maybe? Uh, the day that my book launched. And one of the publicists from Penguin was there and she pulled it up and she was like, oh, the AV Club reviewed your book. And I like put my, I, I like started hyperventilating and I was like, oh God, oh God, what do they say? No, don't tell me what they said. Don't tell me what they said. And she goes, you know, it's not bad, right? <laughs> she said, they, they gave you an A and a good review, you know? And, and that was kind of how I felt when, you know, I, I, that was how I felt, you know, when my first few, few reviews came out. Uh, and I think that, that some of it is just sort of staying away. Like, I don't read Goodreads anymore because it feels like people would, would put, like, really, really, like... Uh, it was they were just not very constructive reviews and it would be on my page so I would have to see them and I would just be like okay you know what if somebody has a problem or like there's an error in my book yeah sure let me know but I I don't really think that there's going to be that much good of me deliberately seeking these Mm, things out sure so so I try not to seek these things out as much anymore and I really try to to work from a place of of you know this is this is what I'm going for this is what I'm going to write this is and and be satisfied with my own results I think and I, I also monitor you know what I am going to write and what I'm not because there are some things that I'm just not ready to reveal yet or there are things that other people wouldn't want me to reveal so I try to be mindful of that as well 
that also means that it takes me a much longer time to write things than it does a lot of my friends because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get so conscientious about it. But uh, but yeah, but I think that that's important and that's and that's also why I think sometimes it bothers me when people will say, oh, what's your creative process? What's your creative process? I want to be like, look, it's different for everybody. It really just as long as you're creating and you're you're doing you're doing it consistently enough and you are feeling good about it I mean that feels good and that is that is what you need to do you don't need to have the exact kind of coffee the exact kind of you know the exact number of hours in the day you don't necessarily need to wake up early and do these things it's it's going to be different as long as you're doing as long as you're doing the work and you're putting out work and you're getting it done in a way that doesn't physically or emotionally tax you that's good. Mm. Yeah. There's no one way to crack the creative code. There really isn't. And I get, I get a bit annoyed sometimes when people are like, what's your process? What's your process? And I'm like, well, just because it's my process doesn't mean it's going to be everybody's process. And also sometimes my, prof- my process can look different from day to day. Give me the five easy steps to be a successful artist uh, in the world. <laughs> yeah. It's just not, there, there, you know, there really aren't any, there really aren't any. There's things you should know. There's things that might help you, but there's no, there, there aren't just steps. Yeah. Well, uh, Mara, can you leave us with a um, maybe an affirmation or an encouragement for other sixes out there in the world? It's not happening right now. <laughs> That's good. It's not happening right now. <laughs> That's the thing. Every time I, I think about, you know, death or somebody I love dying in a car crash or illness or something, I think it's not happening right now. And when it is happening, you'll probably be ready. Wow. That's good. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Mara. You have a good one. Oof. Okay, that was a lot, Um, but I believe in us. Um, I want to continue this conversation because I feel like we gave you some cool tidbits and now we need to go out into the world. We need to work this shit out. We need to see how it all plays into our lives, into our numbers, into our interactions with the people around us. So hit me up on Twitter at Hannah Posh, H-A-N-N-A-H-P-A-A-S-C-H. And let's talk about what respect and control look like in both our parenting relationships, in our reparenting relationships with our younger selves and how that plays out. Hit me up. Let's keep the conversation rolling, folks. I'm excited. We out.